Welcome to the Whips and Chains podcast, episode two, The Whips. I'm your hostess, Stephanie Douglas. We're back. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the two people who listened to my podcast last week. It means a lot to me. You know, I'm not, I don't have like ambitions of the first week being stellar. You know, I just, I like that at least two people listen to it. Um, I'm not shooting for the stars yet. So, uh, you know, thank you again, um, for taking the 15 minutes to listen to me ramble. Uh, we're going to do it again today. Um, I'm going to shoot for 30 minutes instead of the 45 because I decided that 30 minutes is a little bit better. Um, it gives me a little bit to work with. Um, you know, like 15 minutes would have been a little bit too short. 45 minutes is a little bit too long. So 30 minutes, that's what we're shooting for today. And uh, this episode is about the WIP in our title. WIP stands for work in progress. So let's, uh, let's start here with how do you get started? How do you yourself get started? Okay. How do I get started is really the question here because I, you can't answer right now. Um, you start with an idea. That's, that's just kind of where it all starts is your idea. So for instance, my work in progress is, um, uh, it's another historical romance, which I made a new pen name for Isabel Mertoy. So I'm very, very excited about that. And I kind of got the inspiration to start working on this project from that. So um, this idea that I had, I knew I wanted it to be an LGBTQI um, project, but I didn't know where to go with it because I knew I wanted it to be historical romance. And it's really hard to um, work in like these types of romances into historical romances because like in, if you set your your project in England it, you know it wasn't until like the 1960s or something that you know homosexuality was uh illegal so it's kind of hard to write a historical romance about two women in love or two men in love you know um because it wasn't acceptable back then. Um, so it's really hard to think of a, a story that works for that. But I was talking to my mom and she came up with a most excellent idea. So um, it kind of goes back to things I've already written about uh, in the uh, I am Isabel Bertoy, um, you know, area like world. Um, I've already written about some of this stuff, only it was with um, heterosexual main characters. So I'm switching the main characters to two women because I myself am bisexual. So I'm able to write about, um, my own feelings, which is good because that's what you want to do because you want to reach other people. And you do that by talking about what you experience, because then you'll find somebody else who has the same experience or not the same, similar, a similar experience. So I had my idea. I knew I wanted it to be two women in love in 18th century France. So because, you know, 18th century France, the Georgian area, that's my, that's my jam. So, um, I knew that that's where I wanted it to be. 
then my mom came up with an idea to um, sort of, uh, you know, expand it. And um, from there, what I do is I write a blurb. Blurbs are very important because if you go into indie publishing, uh, most of the time you have to write your own blurb. And um, if you're in self-publishing, again, you have to write your own blurb. So um, blurbs are what are on the back of the jacket or the back cover that gives a little, um, you know, uh, introduction or sort of like it sums up what you're going to read, right? So it's what the book is about. Um, so I write a blurb and, uh, they're really important because it helps you focus. And that's what, that's exactly what it does for me is it helps me focus. I know what I want my story to be about. And for queries, you can also use blurbs. Um, I'll talk about that in a future episode about how I write a query, what works for me writing a query. And I'm, I'm using works for me loosely because I don't have an agent, um, but I know how to query and I've gotten compliments on my query letters. It's usually my genre that um, kind of stops uh, agents from signing me but and board count. But anyways, um, so write a blurb. That's basically what I'm getting at. Um, your blurb can be one paragraph or two paragraphs. I've seen people write three, but I like to keep mine to one or two paragraphs. Um, most of the time, I just do one paragraph, um, trying to sum it up. And I always have like a little tagline as the the last um, sentence, something to draw your reader in. And, you know, it's usually a question, something like that to, um, to make your reader want to read more. Um, so after I've written a blurb, um, from there, I go into phase two and phase two is research. Um, research depends on what you're doing. Okay. Um, if you're writing fantasy, you may want to research myths, um, or other fanta fantastical elements. Um, if you're researching, uh, if you're writing about history, you want to research the era that you're writing about. Um, that's basically where I'm at right now is researching the Georgian era again, um, sort of like a, a refresher for me. Um, you know, and, uh, if I could give an example of something that you should read, if you are writing, say about the Georgian era, I would say read, um, history of my life by Giacomo Casanova. Yes, that Casanova. Um, it's, one of the best examples of the ancient regime and uh it just gives you what society was about in the 18th century now the book is not entirely accurate as uh casanova liked to write it as like a fiction novel as opposed to an autobiography and that's the feel you get out of it is that you're reading a fiction novel but some of these things did take place or maybe even all of them took place, but, um, it's the timing of everything that it has, um, historians confused because, um, he'll say he was in France and all these things happened, but it'll show that he was in France at different times and those things happened. So, you know, he's just lumping things together. 
um, so that, you know, everything happens in one place and it's cohesive as opposed to I visited France and then he jumps back and then he jumps back again, you know, so kind of like in fiction writing, you want things to flow. And I think that's what he was doing is he was trying to make his story flow. Um, but anyways, history of my life by Casanova is excellent. It's, uh, funny. It's amazing. It's just a great read. I've only read the first, uh, two, um, installments of it. Uh, there's different versions of it. And, uh, there's the abridged and unabridged, and I believe I have the unabridged. It's um, got the first two installments, as I said, in one book. And you can find it on Amazon and Chapters, and I think you can find it on eBay. Um, there's actually 12 books, and uh, that's six volumes, because there's two books in each. Um, but there's also the big, I think it's Penguin Classics. It's a big, huge, thousand-page one, but it's abridged and, um, it, it just, it cuts things out. It's just no good. Uh, well, at least I thought so being a Casanova fan. Research is extremely important, especially if you're writing about history, because you want things to be as accurate as possible. Now that's not saying you can't take liberties and make things, um, I guess, uh, more palatable. Um, but I find that if you go to the library, which the library is your richest source, and um, you just take out a book from there on your era and you read about it, um, whether it's a fiction or nonfiction novel, um, you're, you get ideas. You, you understand how it was back then and you're able to write something that sounds plausible. So um, the 18th century is... Uh, the fiction novel was sort of um, just coming into what it is, like, not as it is today, but it was coming into its own. It was The fiction novel was actually starting to pick up steam. Um, I think the first fiction novel came out in the 18th century. And, um, you know, uh, you don't want to write like they did, you know, because... Um, it's sort of like Shakespeare, you know, the writing with the, the language was different. Um, but you want to learn from how to tell a story, especially in that era, and then apply it to what you're writing. Um, like for instance, I wrote a libertine novel. Um, I read a libertine novel from that era, but I decided to put my own spin on it. And that's where you take liberties, do things that make you feel good. Do the things that work for you and your writing. So um, trying to go back into with research. Um, so uh, it's important if you're doing your era that you do research the clothing. I find is just for me that if you don't have the terms correct, it really bothers me. <laughs> So, um, just pick up a historical fashion book, give it a little peruse and, um, just kind of apply it, you know? So like if you're, if you're writing about, um, the Georgian era, you want to know the difference between a robe à la française and a robe à la anglais, right? So, you know, it's just like little things like that kind of help, especially if you're a history nerd like me and you like to read these types of books. So, um, 
that kind of goes into when do you write description? Like, like how do you write description? And um, some say that you should write as little as possible. Some saying is you should write as much as possible. I'm kind of in the middle. I, I like to give a little bit of description. Um, I used to write a lot of description and it was somebody, some people's bag and some people it wasn't. So, um, I kind of found that it was a little bit too wordy and I ended up cutting most of what I described so that it gives your reader a chance to, um, sort of, you know, experience it on their own terms and, you know, what they see is not going to be what you see. Even if you describe everything, it's really not going to be what they're going to see. They're going to see something completely different. This isn't a movie where, you know, it's right there on the screen. So, um, bottom line, research is important. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, and, uh, you know, there's two types of research that I like to say, you know, there's the reading for pleasure and then there's reading for work. So, um, I kind of mix the two. Like right now I'm going to be going to the library, not this instant cause it's like nine o'clock at night, but I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to take out some refresher course material on the 18th century so that I can just, you know, you know, bone up on it. And, um, on the side, I'm reading about true crime because I plan on writing my own true crime novel, hopefully in the summertime. Um, so from there, uh, I also have fiction novels that I like to read, um, just, you know, on when I can, basically. Um, Anne Rice is my favorite author, so I like to, I'm still trying to make my way through the Vampire Chronicles. Um, after Memnock the Devil, I kind of got a little lost, and then, you know, I started reading the Mayfair Witches, and then, you know, now I'm back into the Vampire Chronicles, and, you know, it's just a, it's a journey getting through it. <laughs> but anyways, um, so fiction novels and nonfiction novels are very important for reading and reading as much as possible is, um, it's extremely important. Um, you know, like if, like Stephen King said, if you don't have, if you don't read, you don't have the tools to write. So, um, it's kind of, it's just important to, to try to put some time aside and read a book. But I'm not saying that you have to read a book a week or read a book a day or anything like that. It's just when you have the time and you want to read, read because it's important. Um, so anyways, from research, um, I go on to my next step, which is actually writing my work in progress. Some people have an extra step in there um, where they write an outline. I've only done this once um, and I haven't completed that novel because it's a Raven series novel. It's the sixth installment. And that's because um, I wrote a novel called Subverted. And uh, it actually came out more like fan fiction for the Vampire Diaries slash the originals. And it just was too close to it that um, I didn't send it out to any agents or publishers and decided that I was going to shelve it. From there, I decided that the, um, the idea of it was so good that I was going to use it for a future project. And that future project happens to be the Raven series. 
So um, I'm kind of excited. Uh, that's something I won't be working on until the fall. But, you know, that could be the summer too. Like it depends like uh, on my schedule. I have the True Crime and the um, the Raven series. They're as my uh, fourth and fifth projects and uh, they're interchangeable. I can do one before the other. You know, it just depends on where my head's at and how much research I've done for the true crime because there's a lot on true crime out there and I'm trying to read as much as possible to um, make it accurate and believable. So um, I, I don't do out outlines um, most of the time. Obviously, I've done one. So anyways, um, if you do outlines, good for you because you know exactly what you're doing. And I'm more of a go with the flow by the seat of your pants type gal. And that brings me into writing. The way that I do things is that depending on uh, my word count goal and my um, sometimes I have a page count goal instead, um, roughly 300 pages is usually my goal. So I put myself in a specific month and I do 10 pages a day the whole month. That's my goal is 10 pages a day. That sounds like a lot, but when you've been writing as long as me, 10 pages should be easy. It should. You know, I'm saying this because I really, I'm kicking myself because sometimes I only make one or two pages a day, but you know what? It's actually okay. And I'm learning that now. And I don't need to put pressure on myself and that if you make one page a day or if you even make just a sentence, that is progress. That is more than what you had yesterday. And that's important because you're still, you're making progress and that's what we want. Um, you don't have to follow Stephen King's way where you have to write a book in three months. Uh, it could take you a year. It could take you 10 years to write your first novel or even your second novel. Um, it doesn't matter how long it takes. It matters that you write it. And um, I just give myself my 10 page goal. Sometimes I make it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I make more than 10 pages and that's just gravy. And, you know, it's just sometimes I have a day where I make 40 pages. I actually had that happen once. Um, of course, I stayed up for 24 hours to do it. Um, but anyway, so just write. Whatever you get done, you get done. That's what's important. And if you have an outline, that kind of works in your favor because um, you can set up word count or chapter goals and go from there. I think goals are kind of important when you're writing. Um, give yourself something to shoot for. Um, sometimes you need the structure, especially of a schedule. And that's next on my list of what I'm going to explain to you is schedules. Um, schedules are amazing. Use schedules. Okay. If you work a normal, normal air quotes job, um, you have to make time for writing. And I think in a way that could make you more, um, your progress go faster. It would, you know, because, um, you have to plan when you're writing and you have to squeeze your writing into a certain time frame. At least that works for me is having 
you know, sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to make 10 pages and I'm going to do it by noon and say I got up at like 6am. So schedules are good. Schedules are what we want. Because if you set a schedule, and you're more disciplined, then you're going to make your goal. And you're going to have a book, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks or a couple months or even a year. Because um, there's a friend of mine on Facebook, she does a, a novel in a year workshop. Uh, and uh, her name's Jenny Kane. And, you know, that's the type of thing that you want. You want to have um, tips and tricks. And you also want schedules. Schedules are very important. That's basically what I what I do. And um, let's just because I've only got 10 minutes left, I can now go into um, kind of what happens after you're done your first draft. Because if you write the end and you've done your your first draft, you've just done like the greatest thing ever. Like you've done something that a lot of people haven't done. You've completed a novel. So from there, people are like, write your second draft. Now, I don't write separate drafts. I go into the same document and I run backup first. And then I go into the same document and um, I edit and I switch things around and I just try to fine tune things because I like my first drafts. My first drafts are usually, they're very coherent and um, uh, the flow is just natural. You know, sometimes you have to tweak things and you have to fix that flow um, because sometimes you'll read it over and you'll be like, mm, that doesn't work. So it's good to go over your first draft and edit it yourself. And um, then you can go from there and say that would be your second draft would be what you've edited. Um, but uh, you can do separate drafts. That's up to you. Because writing is really a personal thing. Not everybody does it the same, and you can do it whatever way you want to do it. Um, so from there, um, after you've done, and once you've made it your final draft where you're happy with it, find an editor. Um, get somebody who can um, kind of beta read it at the same time. So they'll proofread it, and they'll tell you um, where things don't line up and, um, you know, character flaws that don't work. And they'll also line edit and tell you where you've gone grammatically wrong. Um, that's kind of important, too, because if you're sending out to agents, having it edited is like, it's like a leg up, you know, because um, it's professionally fine-tuned. And you're giving them your best work, what's best from you. Um, so uh, after you've had it edited and you've fixed the problems in it, then you find friends and family to be beta readers. Um, I always use friends and family because you can't necessarily trust strangers. Um, if you're paying them, then you can because you can write up a contract. But... Um, friends and family, they'll sometimes give you the most brutal opinion and that's really good. 
Um, that's what you want. You want to find people that you trust, that you know, that are going to give you an honest opinion of what they think of your work. And from there, once you've, uh, I usually pick five people. So once you have five people beta read and tell you what they think, you can go back in and you can do another draft, right? You can go in and you can make those changes so that it's more palatable for your reader. You know, sometimes people will be like, I don't like this and I don't like that. You don't have to listen to everything, but it's good to take in the critiques and to go back in and fix it so that, again, you have the strongest work possible to send out into the world. That's what's important is having a strong piece of fiction. I don't write nonfiction, so I was going to say nonfiction, but um, we'll, we'll stick with fiction. You want a strong piece of fiction so that you can send it into the world. And um, that's basically how you turn your work in progress into your final draft. I don't think that there's anything else I should say on the matter because um, it'll be a further episode when we talk about, it might even be the next episode, when we talk about sending out to agents and publishers because that would be your next step. And that's a whole podcast in itself, a whole new episode. So, um, let's talk about just briefly, I'll give, um, because I know that maybe somebody who follows my work might, um, listen to this podcast. Uh, I have had a change in my schedule for this year. I always make a schedule at the beginning of the year of what I want to do, uh, which projects are on my list. And, um, I did have Annabelle Allen as my first project with Master and Servant. That's no longer happening. Um, the, the novel is going to happen. It's just not happening right now. Um, I'm working on Isabella Martoy's um, new novel, Keeper of the Stars. That's the 18th century female-female uh, romance. Um, that's going to be what I'm working on now. Hopefully I'll get it done by mid-February, the end of February, depending on if I make my word count goals. Um, after that is my super secret Annabelle Allen project which I'm doing in April. April is also when R.M. Draven's A Blood Moon Rising, the third installment of the Raven series, comes out. It goes live. It goes up for pre-order on the 1st of April. It goes live on the 5th of April. And then after that, um, once I finish my super secret project, which should be finished in two, three weeks um, in April, uh, I'll hopefully be able to just jump over the last week in April into May when I'm going to start writing my next Stephanie Douglas work, which is The Nature of the Beast, which is a sequel to The Beast of Bradley Downs. Uh, I got to get that written and I have to get it edited. I have to get a cover and then I need to self-publish it on Kindle Direct Publishing. And that's going to happen in October, tentatively October. Um, I'm still trying to find editors uh, something, someone that I can afford and is also, uh, really good at what they do. Um, so that's basically what that is, but Arm Draven's, uh, fourth in the Raven series, A Dark Obsession, it's, uh, it's not, it might not come out this year. It might come out in 2021. Um, cause I, again, I have to find, uh, an editor and do the cover and then format it and then, make it go live. So, um, uh, yeah, that's basically it for this episode. 
Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email me. You can find me on Facebook, uh, not my personal Facebook, but my work Facebooks, uh, which are Facebook pages. Um, or you can follow my blogs, anything like that. Or you can comment on this uh, podcast and I will try my best to answer questions. Um, if I have your permission, I'd like to answer them at the end of each episode, um, if I even get questions. But at the end of each episode, I'd like to just do sort of a Q&A type thing where I answer questions. And um, yeah, that's basically it. So uh, thank you again for listening to me ramble for 30 minutes. <laughs> I hope I made sense. I hope my voice isn't as shaky this time. It doesn't feel as shaky as it was. So um, hopefully uh, it was better than the first episode. And uh, I will see you next week with our third episode, which I have no idea what it's going to be about, but I'm sure it's going to be a good one. So thanks a lot, and I'll see you next week.